0: Hi, it's Ben here. You're about to listen to Season 14, Episode 6, and you'll notice we talk about Christmas and New Year quite a bit. That's because this episode was originally scheduled for release in early January, but for important operational reasons I can't divulge to you, and definitely not a cock-up, it hasn't been released until now. So sit back, remember Christmas fondly, don't regret the diet too much that even I've given up on now, and uh, here's an episode all about smart homes. Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Ilico Elliot, Andy Hagan, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer, and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith.
1: I'm Ralph Blanford,
0: And I'm Ewan McLeod. This week we're revisiting the smart home.
1: We're sharing the products we've added to
2: our homes since last season. And we're talking about how things have changed in the last year.
0: Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Yo. Thank you. Welcome. Happy New Year. We've not seen each other since uh, before Christmas.
1: Feels like a long time, doesn't it? It does Indeed. feel like a
0: long time. Indeed.
2: You and McLeod, are you still there? I am still here. That's Copenhagen. It's yeah. lovely. A little bit silly.
0: Yes. Oh, well, we've, we've, missed, we've missed your particular brand of weather updates. Would you so like do you a, an in depth
1: uh, no, no, no. weather update? No no. No, no. 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 We've replaced you in for this. What? Oh,
0: go on then. Okay,
1: to... Google. What's the weather like in Copenhagen?
2: It's one and clear there. The forecast tonight is one and partly cloudy
1: excellent so we basically automated you and out of the podcast well you hold on a minute revised. I didn't quite like
0: that it's one and clear there and that wasn't very Okay, you know, I can do so a what better is job of that uh, don't give us any nonsense about it being dark as well because dark one is and not clear. a weather. one and one clear, clear. It's, no, it's just
2: dark and um, a little bit a <laughs> little bit miserable
0: I think okay so you're, <laughs> yeah. going, you're going to persist with the dark thing even yeah. though it's nighttime, which is it's lovely night during the day okay so did you have a nice Christmas you and McLeod
2: uh, it was lots of travelling to the UK meeting everybody and then back it was nice to get back to Denmark, I was looking forward to seeing the New Year, and then that's when they all go absolutely crazy over here for fireworks. It seems that they don't get to use fireworks that often, and when they do, particularly at New Year, everybody's out uh, at w-
1: four o'clock w- in the morning.
2: You, you live in the embassy district, right? Mm. I think he does, yes. Yes. And
1: they're, they're keen on big bangs, are they? <laughs> uh,
2: I the, by, by the number of police officers driving by occasionally. In fact, I, want, I, did I, did I, did, I think I might have seen an unmarked guy you know, an, an unmarked police car of the right. guy, because I came out of the house this morning at 6am, get to the office, and I think the guy, I reckon he was on a stakeout.
1: Maybe he was watching you.
0: Yeah, well, you're, you're like, the only non-diplomator, are
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, This is funny looking. Photo. The only keep...
1: one in the neighbourhood without diplomatic community, Yeah, the yeah. only one
0: wearing the wrong coat. Why does he wear the bad, where does he wear the wrong coat? Yes, yeah. why is he so chilly? Yes, I were your code named The Shivering Man. <laughs> Rafe blanford did you have a nice christmas and new year
1: i did thank you very much i had lots of lovely family time walks concrete it was excellent
0: excellent I, I think we are going to need an explainer at some point as to why there's a reference to concrete but uh, if you're new hold that thought we'll come back to it you and mcleod i alexa did my christmas tree this year did you have siri or alexa doing no
2: because no, we were all over the place logistically moving so we didn't have a christmas
0: tree at all i'm afraid that's disappointing. Mm. And of course, Rafe Blanford always has a voice-activated Christmas tree. has done for several centuries on account of a butler.
1: <laughs> well, I did have it Alexa activated this year, although not the outside lights because getting them all along the hedges and things like that is quite tricky. Yeah,
0: well, indeed, the many miles of hedgerows. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> it's amazing, things yeah.
1: like that. You don't have a... Power point in the middle. No,
0: obviously that would that would that would ruin the look. Yeah, we, um We had lights in our windows this year, and they were all Alexa controlled, just little plugs on the inside and the clips and things. So that was good, and uh, everyone was very excited that you could turn them on and off with your voice. and Not wow. least my son.
1: So Ray Flanford, back to the meat of it. What are we going to talk about this week? This week we're basically an update on smart home. We did the challenge in an earlier se- season, and we thought we'd revisit it. Talk about some of the topics and issues we've been having recently. You may have got a little bit of a hint of that earlier when we uh, had Google Home trying to replace you and mm, the Copenhagen weather forecast. I don't
0: think we need to say trying. I just think we say replacing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's another use of the smart home replacing you and McLeod. Oh, uh, well, there we go. Didn't see that one coming.
0: Thank you. So, does, does it get angry and shout at you? Yeah.
1: Well, uh, no, it doesn't, but it does, it does get a bit passive aggressive and keeps going. I can't answer that question. Oh, there we go. So,
0: apologist. <laughs> so, uh, you, you're McLeod. Um, what yes. smart home stuff have you got in your house? Well, I, I
2: finally went for the Netgear Arlo. It's a wireless camera kit. So, you buy the Netgear router, and uh, either with one or two, three, or four cameras. And each camera is battery controlled. And they come with a Not ri- battery
0: powered, battery controlled.
2: Uh, sorry, okay, battery powered. Yeah. yeah, well, no, I'm, well, just well, being well pedantic. I'm just being Well offended. spotted. I, see, That's I don't get pulled up with that kind of thing here in Copenhagen. Right. It's because they expect you to be able to speak competent English. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Actually, um, yes, that, that has been quite embarrassing at times because they look at me as, as the font of all
0: English knowledge. Yeah. I, I don't wow. know. Just try autocorrect. <laughs> I, ca- I can't wait to meet your colleagues and set them straight on a few things. <laughs> Anything, if, you if you think his English is good, you should wait till you see about his banking knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that.
2: That's lovely. So uh, let me tell you more about Arlo, all right? Because uh, these are battery-powered. Well,
0: back up, back up, mm, because no. you've got you got Arlo, and we'll talk about that in a yeah. minute, but why?
2: Well, go, tell, tell us the story. Well, we got home one day, and we found a window open on the first floor. Ooh. Now, none of us... See, when we moved in, we didn't check this particular window to see if it was fully secured. We didn't not check it, but... Anyway, and it was so we got back, and it was only like half an hour after being home. Realized that this window on the first floor of the place was completely wide open, and it had clearly been wide open for a few days, and the twigs and bits of leaves and whatever had blown in. And I thought, "Oh, have we been burgled?" Right, which I think is the standard thing. But then, if a burglar had come in, he would probably have found uh, the bomb site as it was, and thought. What am I doing here? Because the place was in complete disarray, having just moved in. You couldn't find, we couldn't find anything, let alone a burglar, I'm sure. Nothing had gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing had been uh, taken. But the big, big frustration I had was trying to discover or discern, you know, have we been burgled or attempted to be burgled? Or did the wind blow the wind open? And the types of fittings that this particular house uses could potentially, if they were a little bit loose, they could blow open. And then there was a big storm over this period. And so, which, which could have certainly caused this window to blow. Who knows? My big problem was I didn't like not knowing. Yeah. All right. So, I'd, I'd rather see some footage of someone walking through our house and me going, that, that isn't accurate. I'd rather know that happened rather than not knowing. So, that prompted me to say, okay, it's time to spend stupid amounts of money on some cameras
0: so well, i thought one of the advantages of this smart home stuff was that it's not crazy money so uh, w- well, what kind of when you say crazy money what kind of what did you buy and what kind well, of so a, I went, this netgear you?
2: arlo has been it's i've always liked the sound of it but i've been slightly worried about whether or not it worked very well i was a little bit put off by the fact that these things are battery powered and some of the feedback i'd read had said that they don't kick in because they're battery powered they don't kick in immediately and i was a, bit, a little bothered by that and you know the cameras are about a hundred pounds hundred euro ish each and that you know, so the whole pack I think was 550 pounds or something like that for the router and then the the, the four cameras. But I have to say they are absolutely excellent. They are really really cool. You can place them anywhere. They work outside as well as inside. And I even did some DIY. I even placed wow. a camera. I indeed indeed I placed a. I had to do a drill. You know, I had like a. I to do a drill. Do a drill. <laughs> to drill a hole. <laughs> Um, put, put Your dad would be so proud of you, I'm sure, right Plastic now. <laughs> thingy in and then put the screw in there and then not drill it all the way in. And then the attachment for the camera, which is supplied with every camera, it's, um, it's magnetic and circular right. as well. It's like a half moon shape. What do you call it? No, a semicircle shape. What do you yeah. call that? Like a cone, half a cone. No, no, no. A sphere. Half, half a, a sphere. Half a sphere. So you just hang that up on the nail and then attach the camera and, and just move it around the way you want it. Really, really cool. And I'm using the seven-day free service from Netgear where it it, could, it does instant notifications and lets you watch the videos immediately for seven days, stores them for seven days. I think I might upgrade to the premium. I'm really enjoying it. And it works with smart things as well. So that was the other reason I hadn't bothered. Uh, I hadn't wanted to buy them. But I was looking for a nice system that you know, if I wanted to use cameras and add more later on, that it would um, would be quite extensible, so I think this is fantastic. I'm really really pleased with it, and if you're thinking about spending the money, I I've, I find it very valuable. So
0: the first thing that occurs to me, Rafe Bramford, is battery powered cameras makes me a bit nervous.
1: Yeah, I mean I I looked at this system as well, and my understanding is they advise you that it lasts about six months with standard usage, and it's worth saying that it only switches on the camera when it detects motion. Yeah, as a result of that, it can be a few seconds behind someone coming into shop but it really depends on combination of lighting and sensitivity but i've heard from others who say this works really well and i think once every six months is an acceptable trade-off given that you're not having to put any uh, wires in place to power the devices well in most cases i mean i mean we own our home so we could put wires in anywhere we wanted to but i'm
0: not gonna start doing like sort of damaging work you know around the house because that, that would be really hard so i think that would be a complete blocker so and, and you and you're renting a house in Denmark, yeah. aren't you? So I suspect, you know, the, the landlord isn't going to let you, um, you know, put massive holes in the walls or for cables to go through to power no, it. No, I don't want to be wired.
2: Even if I owned this particular, product, I don't know if I'd want to put wires everywhere anyway. I just want wireless. It's just easier, right? Yeah, uh, and yeah. in terms of battery, I can give you an idea. I've, uh, I've had these for a month, almost a month now. And the front door, which I think gets quite a lot of usage, that is at 81%. Yeah. And then the camera in the boys' room, which we've got to let us know if there's movement in the evenings. It's a little bit like a, a baby monitor, yeah, but you know, they, yeah. they're not babies anymore. But now that is continually getting hit because the boys are running in and out all the time. That is at 79%. So about
0: it's 20%. About five months. Yeah, about yeah, 20%. So, it's, yeah, so you're actually quite close to the advertised, um, the advertised duration. Yeah. So that's not, that's not too bad because we've done a similar thing. So we, got, we went through a run of every time we went on holidays, our traditional non smart house alarm seemed to trigger. And it wasn't caused by us being away. It just, you know, we just got fed up with it always going off. And it was a, a multitude of things. Like, um, we have quite a lot of power cuts where we are. And if the power goes out long enough, then the alarm sounds because it thinks it's been cut off. Right. You know, and... um the cleaners came in one day and did, and forgot how to turn the alarm off, so they set it off, and and, 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 and. And then one day there was a fault in one of the sensors, and that set it off. And it always seems to wait until I'm sort of stood in an airport somewhere stressed. So we got two of those Canary cameras. Oh, yeah. Actually, a friend of the show, Dan Lane, had some, and I've taken those off his hands. And the advantage with those is that they're sort of slightly larger than Coke can-sized, but you just put them sort of around the house and they're not too obtrusive. They don't look like cameras. So we just pop one in the kitchen and, and one in an entryway and um, with the agreement, really, that I would actually only put them out when we went away so they weren't always there. You Because know, they my... look untidy. Well, well, they look untidy, but also we weren't really keen about having cameras inside the house all the time. Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, sort of... A... <laughs> There's no problem with it because they're our cameras recording us, but it just sort kind of felt weird, particularly with them being internet connected. But actually, whilst that has given us some reassurance that we can sort of log in and see the house when we're away, we quickly got lazy and just left them out all the time because setting them up in the right place was a real it was a real pain. And then we realised the failings, which was we put a pile of stuff on a kitchen on the kitchen counter, and then I logged in one day to demonstrate it to someone, and all I could <laughs> see was a pile of towels. Because if you put if you put them just sort of next to the plug socket somewhere convenient, that's also where you just dump stuff. So I'm really interested in these Arlo's because wireless, battery powered easy to install yeah. you know and also uh, compatible because the canary doesn't hook up within it with Alexa, for example or any yeah. of that stuff i'm i'm really interested in that
1: have you got anything like that Rafe? i've been looking at cameras and the arlo definitely caught my eye the other one is the uh, blink system which was on kickstarter and they've i think just announced the blink XT, which has more um, claims even longer battery life so i think this kind of technology will definitely come in more in the next few years and it's interesting you and talked about spending a lot of money on it but actually, relatively speaking, the sums we're talking about compared to actually installing home security cameras of the traditional variety, it's relatively cheap. And particularly once you start getting to a multi-camera system, because the Arlo cameras are between, depending on if you get them one good deal, between sort of 80 and £120 pounds to add another camera to the system. And I think it sports up to about 20 cameras. Now, that's going to be more than most people use, but I've, I've definitely been tempted. I just haven't quite got there yet because... The utility for me isn't, isn't quite as great because it's, it's basically one person versus a family. But I do think it's interesting talking to people about smart home. It's one of the things they're most interested in. And home security seems to be the big selling point. And it's essentially because it's being sold on fear or reassurance, depending on the way you're looking at it. It's really interesting hearing you and telling that story. You know, the, the reason you kind of got the acceptance to do this was because it was improving the perception of home security. I still think there's some way to go simply because the technology still has, you know, works during the recognition and you get false positive sometimes with these systems. Yeah, I
0: mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't know about you, Ewan, you, I wouldn't rely on this as my security system, but what happens is I got really frustrated was having stuff that's only a little bit smart. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. if, some, if my home alarm, which is wired into the house and is a traditional infrared based, with all, all the access ways and doors and everything all wired up, if that triggers and I'm not able to go home, that's it. I'm stuffed. I'm ringing my neighbors to see who can go and look at my house because I don't know why it's gone off. I don't know Mm. what the code is. I don't know what the trigger is. I don't know what room. And so for me, this is filling the smartness gap, which is lots of people have dumb thermostats. Lots of people have dumb security systems and you get impatient because you get like, for example, you get the first smart home gadget, you buy Alexa and one mm. remote control plug or something, you begin to see the advantages, not just of being able to control it when you're home, but also knowing its status all the time, because all of a sudden this stuff just works wherever you are off your smartphone. And so I think this begins to fill the gap. And I'm really interested now in that system. Is it weatherproof? That system? Yeah, you've completely
2: got? weatherproof. And remember, it's working in minus 11.
0: Okay. Because yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the next thing for us might be get rid of those cameras inside the house and pop a few outside because actually what i'm really yeah. interested in is is the front door of the windows open and that can be judged from a camera on the side of the house it doesn't have to be inside so i
2: should point out that arlo it does not record at the moment the way i've got an, on default settings which is 80 percent recognition sensitivity. The, sensitivity that's right so when the postman arrives the first frame that i see on the video is him just arriving in right so he's made he's, he's in frame already. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. you know the bit before i suppose if i change the sensitivity then you could probably get that but that that is fully acceptable to me and it records in 10 second chunks i think that's default
0: but it, it works really nicely so the thing i like about the canary is that when it senses movement it does actually sort because of, it has a bit of a buffer it's obviously power isn't a concern it, it goes back and saves that buffer for you so Mm. you see the person walk into frame yes but actually at the moment where we are in the uk the sun's very low in the sky we're getting lots of shadows and things being cast through the windows and so lots of perfectly reasonable movement outside the house is casting shadows in and it's triggering them a lot at the moment now again you know put smart push notifications mean i can see in an instant it's a picture of the living room with no one in it so I'm, i'm you know i'm kind of not concerned but I do like the idea of having more flexibility about positioning them because I could do away with that if I wasn't tied to a plug.
2: Does your security system is it mobile connected?
0: Uh, no, it's connected to a person, so it's, it's monitored by people. Uh, so, so you've got it, ultra dumb, and so I've got dumb plus, um, which <laughs> I I, I think
2: I, when and that is um, the the system over over here, we we went and got one of the market leaders, I think and the first thing they did was put stickers up on the windows because apparently that deters people, right? But the, the alarm system itself is wireless, and it's pretty cool. However, the app and the service surrounding it, I mean, I can switch on and off remotely. That is cool. Yeah. But the app is old. You know, it's, it's like an HTML app. I, just, I like it when people have invested proper money into their apps.
0: Well, we've talked about this in the past, Rafe, about how cars and all these sort of things with long turnover times, you know, because you don't buy an alarm very often, will will look tired and old quite quickly. And I think that's, for me, part of the appeal of these sort of low-cost disposable systems that in two or three years, I could take a camera down or buy a replacement one and it will be singing and dancing and and it's not part of the infrastructure of the house.
1: Absolutely. And and it's where the sort of ecosystems of the smart home comes in. the companies who are are creating them you know the likes of google and apple and microsoft and and everyone else and samsung with smart things actually do care about the customer experience and so they put a lot of emphasis on that where i think the traditional players don't always understand how important that is or don't necessarily have the skills to put it together you know i would say you know actually the hardware is kind of table stakes you need to have the intelligent insight on top of smart home and that accessible through the user experience that's good for it to actually work properly and i think that's the thing about the nest thermostat for example they really nailed the user experience Mm. and we've since seen british cash come along with things like hive and the first generation that was pretty poor it's it's since improved a lot but there are still bits of that hardware experience that aren't so good and a lot of that comes down to the integration with other things and i suspect ewan would be perfectly satisfied if his security provider had some kind of api and it just worked into the the smart things ecosystem but it doesn't
2: you know, it's really, really frustrating. So I'm paying monthly. I think it's 40 or 50 quid monthly, right? And they've given me uh, a lot of cameras and detectors and whatever. And they are, as you, you point out here, right? I think they are substandard. They're maybe industry standard, but they were industry standard two or five years ago, right? So I'm, do- I'm going to show you here. It's great for radio or podcast, right? But here I am. This is a photo of the living room, right? So I, ta- I, I, uh, I tap on it, and this is using the, the PIR camera sensor that we've got from the the alarm company is nothing It's black it's black yeah right because what you have to do is say you have to say take a picture so i'm gonna press take a picture bang right oh, in fact oh, i've got to put my pin code in right why am i putting a pin code in right should yeah, we touch, ID, touch right? Id it's now taking an, image, taking an image taking an image taking an image taking it right now this is real time for me when i use arlo taking an image taking an image taking it right look and you guys can see this and you can hear it the absolute arse of frustration Taking image, taking image, taking image, taking image. Mm. Right, I mean, this is
0: totally unacceptable. You're doing this because it's just gone ping and said there might yeah. be somebody in your house, so you're now very hey, oh, intolerant right, and, of delay.
2: And I've got two of these camera detector things, so this is amazing. This is fantastic. It's, I'm
0: still waiting for the image. Yeah, right. and it's still you're holding the phone up facing us, so you can't see it, but it still says taking an image even as you as we're talking now. Now this and is and poor. And, 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 and earlier you talked about my system being dumb. Or super dumb. And I do agree with you. Like, I mean, it is, there is no smarts in it at all. But what I do like is that mix of, of smart and human, which is I would like to have a, a good app and integration and all those sorts of things. But, oh, and it's given up, it's still taking the image. I'd like to have all those things, but I still want to speak to a person because when things get serious, I want to go to real time. I want to know have the police been called. I yes. want to talk to a person. And I think with Hive, although it's not a security thing, a lot of the reason that that's been successful in the UK, more commercially successful than Nest, uh, is that it cut.
2: Sorry to interrupt. A- but there you go. There's a picture. 60 seconds later. Yeah. And that is ridiculous. Sorry, Hive, carry on.
0: Yeah, well, I just, I think Hive's been more successful because it comes with an engineer network that install it and also a, a support organisation that, that's based in the UK. Because, you know, if you have a Nest product, your support options are pretty limited.
1: Yeah, and so those end-to-end solutions and then particularly the install phase, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later because I think it's interesting when you talk about, you know, building a smart home and all of that sort of thing. But if you don't get one part of it right, it then falls down. And you commented on this before, Ben, getting people to accept it and, you know, in the smart home kind of community, there's this idea of partner acceptance factor or path that actually to get things through the door and get it installed, it actually needs to be acceptable and easy to use and better than whatever it's replacing. And most of these systems don't really qualify for that because they're just a bit difficult to use, which is, uh, I think, why there's actually a lot of emphasis on the moment on controlling the smart home. And I'm seeing lots of startups and kind of lots of products around trying to make that really easy to use. And they're often built on top of the, existing ecosystems and you know that's been sold for a single product and nest is a good example yeah. and maybe hive but actually kind of that dashboard isn't working I've, I've experimented with attaching a tablet to the wall and trying to get that to work and that's been kind of my efforts but even then it's it, it still feels hard to do
2: can i ask you this question right do you think builders or tradesmen get this stuff
0: yet uh, n- no and uh, i'm so glad you mentioned that because it's driving me mad so A few yards away from our house, there was an old falling down cottage, a bungalow, a single story. And somebody bought it and they redeveloped it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be really interesting. I'm going to look what they do. Because one of the frustrations with my house when we moved in, it was a new build, was that they hadn't put any smart stuff in. And they hadn't really even thought about the fact that smart things might come along in the future. So, you know, the internet wiring was in strange places. The phone wiring was in strange places. It was real kind of... 1980s thinking, where mm. what we need to do is put a TV point in every room. That's the most important thing, you know. But actually, <laughs> I don't care about TV anymore. What I care about is Wi Fi coverage and, and Ethernet cables and things. And I thought, I'm going to watch this house because it's a big house they've put in there. I think it's going to go for some serious money. And thinking the, the people who buy, you know, this big, big house, certainly big by standards of where we live, mm. they're going to have pretty high demand. And I watched the tradespeople and I watched them coming and going and I watched the the work that's been doing, and I haven't been in to see it yet. I'm going to ask if I can, but I'm going to lay money on the fact they've just put in regular electronics. Uh. Like I saw where the phone line runs in, and it runs just into the corner of the kitchen. And I've seen the wiring up all the stuff. There's no sensors, there's no external wiring for things, you know, to sort of turn automatically on and off. I mean, and when, when we bought our place, we, in the US, it's three-wire wiring in the walls is standard Mm. and that's really handy because that means that your smart appliances can still be powered even when the the circuit is off and we don't have that in the uk in general i'm looking thinking basically regular tradespeople don't have the requisite skills now to put those kinds of things in homes and yet this home is brand new it's going to stand there in in that form for tens and tens of years you know everything we're still building houses that need to be retrofitted with smart stuff well i've been
2: Talking with the builders uh, who were doing some of the renovation in our all place in the UK, and I was expecting them to go, ah, well, and you know, top upsell me basically. So I said, look, I'm really quite interested in this kind of smart home stuff. You know what I? And the guy would just went, oh, uh, yeah, I, oh, do you mean like the lights on and off? I said, yeah, yeah. Any suggestions? Any ideas? I'm expecting him to say, well, I could probably replace all of your sockets. You know, I, and I showed him. I for some reason I found a light wave brochure i don't know where i got it but i, 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 I might dig it up and give give it to him saying look have a look at this light wave rf thing it replaces the plugs and i was hoping he was going to say oh okay you know 500 quid or you know a thousand pounds i'll do all of your house yeah i was trying to put yeah. my arm behind my back to be twisted you know oh help me and he just went oh yeah I, uh, i've heard about this um yeah and that, that was it that was it and then it was three separate tradesmen that i spoke to now that's certainly not representative but it, it, i did find it disappointing in that that that's a next way of upselling, right? You know, oh, you want me to do your room? Okay, if I, I'll, I'll paint it or do this. But by the way, would you like the cool stuff? And I know what the cool stuff is. It should be that these guys should hopefully be training you, right?
1: Well, especially when, I mean, most of the stuff we've been talking about is kind of aftermarket install. Um, some of the interesting solutions are when you get relays into the, the light switch boxes and into the plugs themselves. And that's what, you know, the neutral wire is needed for. And it, it does surprise me that there isn't sort of, Something just a little bit more visible on this. Now, I know there are some electricians in particular out there who do specialise in this sort of stuff. And as you kind of have an interior designer, you almost imagine there might be a, a smart home advisor who can help yeah. you
0: with this sort of thing. Where do you go? And those are the only people I know who've done this in inverted commas properly is during the build. They've commissioned like audio visual or smart home specialists to come in, but they've been like, you know, kind of an addition to the project. They've told the electricians where the wires should go and this kind of stuff. And but don't they then give you can-
2: that stuff that doesn't work? It's like yeah, the well, stuff where you, when you're turning up in a meeting room in a company, it's unfamiliar to you and they've got this kind of weird, wonderful, doesn't quite work, really poor... Rubbish interface. Yeah,
1: I, I mean it is easy to be critical here, but <laughs> witness mental uh, <virtual> cloud. <laughs> and that tends to also be very expensive because it has been uh, specialist smart home companies who, you know, they they've kind of been on the X11 system and things like that. Yeah. And they, you know, it's also the motor control blinds and curtains and things like that. Right. And we're sort of talking about a basic level of of the, we just expect to have it. I mean, even something as simple as saying I'd like to have the plugs in my house. Have USB sockets on Uh, them as well, which today is actually, you know, it's an easy mod for anyone to make and definitely recommend it. But a lot of people are quite wary, understanding quite rightly about doing things with their electrical system or heating or whatever. But it's also, you spoke to the high system, it's a great example. Mm. Bring that in. But even Hive is frustrating because it's a relatively limited set of functionality.
0: And it's expensive as well. I mean, it, when our house was built, I became aware of how many regulations there are about energy saving and efficiency. And this is now, certainly in the UK, and I'm sure in many other countries as well, It's one of the conditions of the legal people say, you may build this house, but you must have this water efficiency, this heat efficiency, you must have some solar power or something like that. And that's all great, but it's sort of mandated. And so all the installers now come and they have the expertise in, you know, the the guys who did the hot water system knew how to install solar hot water. And the guys doing the electrics knew how to put in low energy lighting systems because they had to in order to get the work signed off. And I'm sort of surprised that they're now going to the next stage of saying, you must build systems that are, extendable or flexible in the future, because part of it is smart home. Like it's nice to have lights that are flexible, but actually if in a room of five lights, I can use just the ones I want to, and I can change that over the life of the house, it's far more efficient. It's going to be far more flexible. There's going to be far less cost of, you know, ripping the ceilings down and renovating it and this kind of stuff. And I'm sort of amazed that we're not doing that in in places as well. And and race, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, putting wiring in, that could be used, but doesn't have to be mm. putting in back boxes that have space for all these various controllers, because I was I, going to, I was going to retrofit ours and I, I took the switches off and our back boxes are shallow. And I mean, you know, that, that's, that's just, it doesn't need the space, but that means I'll never be able to install a thing in a wall because I don't have space behind my switches to do it. Mm. And you know, yes, it's a problem you can overcome, but they haven't built the house thinking about how could it be flexible
1: And as you said, it is about the product life cycles. I mean, because this is quite recent technology that we're talking about. But you wonder whether the regulatory environment will change. And I think neutral wires are something that are becoming more common in new builds. And I believe there's even some regulations about they will be compulsory in due course. But it's also the fact that they all operate as independent systems. And I think coming from the digital world, we're very used to the idea of ecosystems and things connecting together. And yet, you know, you have the electricals, you have the heating and often on different systems and that can be very frustrating because especially with the smart home the real value comes when it talks to each other and I would say absolutely and this has been my experience for installing stuff that you kind of double the value every time you add something new into the system that interconnects because you can have it detect one thing and then trigger something else and it's that kind of automation which is the biggest thing about smart home because actually doing the stuff we've been talking about which is kind of remote control or remote monitoring requires human intervention to some extent. But the really valuable stuff is when it stops you having to make a decision, that kind of sense of automation. The simplest version is switching on lights, but you can imagine it for, you know, heating appliances, uh, for cooking, for everything else. And that's the thing that seems like the kind of utopia, but is also the thing that's furthest away. Okay, well,
2: can I ask you this question? How many boxes? And this is, I'm taking it back to the internet, because we're busy, busy blaming Industry, slow moving industry. <laughs> you're like, Okay. How many boxes have you yeah. got near your router? Now, help me here, right? So <laughs> I have got a Telia box, a three box. Now, th- th- let's just assume that's one box. Then I've got a Samsung Smart Things box. I've got a Sonos box. I've got a Q box. What else? HETI. Hates this. That's my wife. She really, really hates all this mess. So, I uh,
0: behind, behind our TV, so yeah, in, in, in our so, uh, the internet. Oh, comes I've got a net So, I've got an Arlo one though. Sorry, Oh, the Arlo, yeah. yeah. So, so in, in our house, the, the internet comes into a cupboard, I've, and actually, it comes into my office and then it's routed through into a cupboard where we have a, a patch panel. And that's the bit that the builders did right, which is all the TV points have Ethernet behind that cool. Hallel- hallelujah so that's that's great so the router lives in the cupboard but i like you had all of these devices and i haven't in that cupboard i don't have the space to put in a nice rack i always wanted to have like a proper home you know uh, <laughs> like what you call node zero you know um, at home so behind out it so one ethernet round behind the tv through the house and i've got a board i bought a board and i've stuck the smart things a switch an apple tv a Raspberry Pi, and they're all literally stuck Velcroed onto this board with cables running up to them, and the board is the size of a coffee table, right. and they're all stuck on, and then have it's you go gone. you bit- a piece of wood? It's a piece of a kitchen That's cabinet that right. wasn't used when our kitchen was installed. Okay, but if you, think right. of a, if you think of a cupboard door, yeah. it's, that si- it's that size, <laughs> and all these things <laughs> all right. are stuck to it, right. and then it's behind the cabinet with the TV on. So it's just hidden away, vert- mounted vertically, as if these things were stuck to the wall. But you have a hue, right? Do you not have a hue? No, I haven't. I haven't got a hue, but I've got a Raspberry Pi, an Apple TV, a Sonos, bar Bridge, TV. Um, no, an Apple TV. Okay. Um, no TV. There was one more. No, there was one more. I forget. But basically, four or five. Oh, and and obviously a, a gigabit Ethernet switch as well to right. to divide my one upstream yep. port. Um But all of this stuff is stuck to the board, and it's a sort of a an, an elegant but unnecessary thing, which is. You know, the other option would be to have all of those devices just tucked in various cupboards, or you know, on desks or something around the house. So if you, you
2: if you get Arlo, are you going where are you gonna put the Netgear, the router
0: for that? Well, it depends. It'll either have to be in the cupboard or on that board. But the whole point is, I'm sort of basically turning behind my TV into a place where all this stuff hides. Oh, I've also but
2: got the VPN box as well. I forgot to tell you about that. It's a UK VPN box that allows me to be back in the UK. That's another thing that has to go on your board. Well, would so, have to. Yeah, yeah. so we, we, don't
0: have, we don't have one of those. I mean, we use a VPN, but a software VPN. So why have you got a hardware one? Oh, just because
2: it's, it's really effective for some of the services that I need to be using. I need to be, I need to be based in the UK. Then I can do so with this box, which is from Liberty Shield. And it's a little black box, or it's actually white, and you plug it into your internet.
0: <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad, glad you're, paying, you're painting matter. a
2: picture with words. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, I've got
0: a black box, that's why. Okay, good. Notice, <laughs> write this down. Box.
2: Yeah. It's a, a Wi Fi router, and it allows you, you just plug it into your internet connection, and then anything that goes into that or attaches to that yeah. appears
1: to oh, be in the UK. So yeah. it's a kind of easier configuration thing and suddenly yeah. you have a, a UK Wi-Fi yes. in your house. I mean, I, I'm the same as you in bed. I've got all sorts of boxes hidden behind the back of the TV and just added actually one recently, which was for a Harmony remote. And this is kind of the company that does a universal a dating remote. dating service? I'm afraid not. It was a universal remote, and it was originally aimed at controlling your hi-fi and your TV, but they recently turned it into a smart home hub. All right. The reason I ended up getting one is because it actually integrates with uh, SmartThings and with Alexa, so you can use SmartThings to then turn on things via an IR blaster. So you can actually use it to turn on your TV, and you can do that via voice That's as well, cool. thanks Very to the cool. Alexa integration. So it was trying to get integration with just a few more things, but added yet another box, and there's various you know, things to TV. Actually, to the point in which I had to buy a bigger switch because I had so many things I needed to give a Ethernet connection to.
0: Yeah, I, I've upgraded to to more switches in our house. Um, <laughs> so, what next thing? Because we've talked about we talked about the cameras and we've talked about you know kind of this burgeoning pile of sort of accessories, the little throwaway widgets and things. But for me, we've had an Echo for a while, and I've talked about how popular that is in our house and how. Something about the way they've implemented the interface, not the tech, but the personality, means that me and my wife both really like using it. It feels much more accessible than Siri, even though in many cases it does exactly the same job. And even visitors, you know, find it, I don't know why, it's just not intimidating in the way that Siri seems to be. But for that, that's going to be our gateway drug. Because we had, first of all, we had Alexa, oh. and we said when we were cooking, because we, we cook quite a lot, I mean, a set a timer, set a timer, set a timer, play some music, you know, this kind of stuff. And that was just convenient because you don't need to press the front of the oven and, you know, with your dirty hands or whatever. And then at Christmas, we had the Christmas tree lights, and everyone was turning the Christmas tree on and off. Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree. I,
2: I, I, you've got to stop saying that.
0: Right. The Christmas. you guys say,
2: Echo, turn on the Christmas tree, right? It's going to oh, annoy. See, yeah. right? You don't want to order dolls houses for people.
0: Well, I I think if you're listening to this, stick headphones on. You've learnt your lesson the hard way last episode. (laughs) But now, like that's that's okay. You know, we've accepted that. So I'm thinking. Actually, I, I said a while ago, I really wanted to have remote controlled light switches just so that we could have preset lighting configurations because I felt that simply turning everything on in the kitchen or everything off was, was just a bit clunky and I think that that's going to be okay now because the answer was always well how do we do that like yes. how how do we not have to have one of those ugly tablets you talked about with loads of buttons on so that you know even those of us that live in the house have to oh quick unlock the iPad whereas which is the app oh right just uh, it's not easier anymore if I have to do that whereas if I say you know Amazon widget turn on the lights over the dining table. It's easy, it's accessible, and more importantly, we've learned over Christmas that it works.
1: Yeah, and I think this is really interesting. I would kind of, it's not a term I've coined, but ambient computing, this idea that it's always around you and that, you know, the voice interface does seem to be the key to acceptability and ease of use, but it's also this fact that you don't have to pick anything else and up and press it, whether that's your smartphone or a dedicated tablet or some remote control. The fact that you can just be walking around and do instructions, and I think for something like voice also shopping list that's been a, a big revelation yeah. for me
0: we we do that yeah we my wife quite regularly you now tells alexa please add things that. to the shopping list whilst we're cooking you know you literally last night we put the last of the curry powder into the pot in you know, order another one and it, we haven't yet got to the point of amazon fulfilling that yes. But it's on the shopping list in your pocket when you then go to the supermarket or when you're doing the online shop
1: and that's that's a much smaller gap and that then gets very interesting the implications of Amazon potentially choosing which brand you get and that kind of thing, particularly with utility items where you don't really care what the brand is. And that kind of disintermediation, I think, is really interesting in the the smart home. So, you know, I think voice is important from that perspective, but also just the fact that people don't have to think about it. And it's not replacing other digital things. It's actually additive compared to, say, the smartphone, which before a lot of smart home had to happen through the smartphone itself or some other computer and it's interesting to me that the most interesting and popular use cases seem to be things that are replacing analog behavior like handwriting a shopping list or light switches or some kind of power control and so seeing amazon come in they've obviously been a leader but and um, we did at the beginning of the show try to replace ewan with a, a google home and when I'd, you
0: say try you mean succeed well,
1: yes and, and i picked up one from the states recently and i've been been trying it out. And there's the usual problems with importing electronics in terms of, you know, the, the power and some of the settings. But I've been really impressed by the fact that I think the Echo holds its own in the home environment because Amazon have thought very carefully about the constrained vocabulary that it has and therefore makes it very easy to use in that environment. I think Google Home, by contrast, is probably better at answering the more generic questions because it's got the Google knowledge graph behind it. So it'll, in general, if you, someone randomly asks it a question, it'll do a better job, but it's lack of integrations. And now Amazon's saying they've got 7,000 skills means that the Echo is still my default choice for voice control in the home. It'll be interesting to see as um, obviously Google Home goes forward, how much that applies, but it does make me realize actually the value of the Echo and all of these home control things is there's a basic set of functionality, which is great. And that's going to be kind of table stakes but the integrations it has and it's not just the skills it's also where it will be present elsewhere and so this idea of echo inside and microsoft doing the same with cortana and
0: well i I bought some cheap tp link switches at christmas because tp link have an amazon skill and i always thought skills as apps that you install and they then you you have to say please like i asked national rail inquiries where my train is was the example that we talked about before but this skill just effectively enabled a new class of devices so that I could talk to my TP-Link plugs in the same way as I could my Wemo oh, ones. I those turning I just, ones
2: uh, on off, power on yeah, off? Yeah, so oh, I, had one,
0: I, had one, I had one Belkin Wemo and then some TP-Link ones, which were sort of cheap clones. But the Wemo stuff works by default, and I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to buy the expensive Wemo stuff because that's what Amazon has blessed with the automatic kind of... Inter- but actually, install the TP-Link skill... There's no app, you don't have to reference it by name, it just suddenly enables these devices to be spotted, and it, it works like a dream. And the fact that some of the other brands of home automation stuff that I wasn't sure about, like mm. Lightwave RF you talked yeah, yeah. about earlier, have got Alexa skills now that you can install and then address the light switches by name, you know, seamlessly, makes me think, well, actually that's barrier overcome, I'll how go and does, buy those things.
2: How does a TP-Link, how do you actually address that? You say Echo, and then
0: what? Yeah. So. When you add a smart device, you go through the app, you enroll it for the first time. And at the time that you add it to Alexa, you give it a name. And so I just said, turn on the Christmas tree. And Christmas tree was the name of the plug. And that's fine. Oh, that is cool. The WeMo was called Christmas tree. And the front door lights were tipped by a TP link. And they're fine. And in the Alexa app, you can also make groups. So we had one that was just turn on all the Christmas lights and all the Christmas lights was a group, oh, so everything really came cool. on. Four really cool. plugs triggered and turned off. Now, what, what happens if you have an, an, an echo on every room? Well, uh, Rafe, have you played with this? I had a quick go.
1: Yes, I, I've played with this, and actually it's smart enough to recognise which is the nearest echo and will can, respond can, on can, it, can I correct you? It's
0: normally mostly smart enough.
1: Yes, that, that's quite fair. And it will attempt to respond on the one that it thinks is closest to you based on what it's heard. And so... They've actually got the multi-rim thing done well. It doesn't work so well for things like music. And actually, I'm looking forward to the integration with Sonos, which Very is much. trailed as coming, because not only is it a higher quality speaker, it also solves the multi room thing pretty effectively. And, and you know, this is actually a good example where there's clearly a lot more to come. But Amazon and actually Google Home as well have been adding new features all the time. And I, I think we'll probably end up talking about this almost in a, a separate episode, kind of what comes next for voice. But it's really interesting to me, you know, the skills Amazon has thought quite carefully about. And ones we're talking about are specifically smart home skills, which have this very good integration. But it does remind me of a bit of the smartphone world where you have the benefits of the app store, which are quite evident. But then you have the made for iPhone program, which means high quality accessories. And you're seeing that same thing. But it does come back to the value is really derived from that ecosystem. And that's where Amazon perhaps does have an advantage in being first mover. It's got a lot of momentum. And It also reminds me, really reinforces this point about the control point actually being the most important thing in the smart home, because that's what you interact with. And that's what you almost have the relationship with.
0: Amazon found a reason for us to have the switch and then to add the things that are being switched on and off. And that was always the the wrong way around before. It was always too hard.
1: Exactly. And it's it's really interesting that because that becomes the entry point. You describe it as a a drug, but it is because, and that actually becomes a reason to start buying things for a particular reason. That's pretty powerful for the home, which is such an important place as well.
0: So very quickly, because we're over time, you and McLeod, next smart device purchase or integration? I really like your idea about the TP-Links. I've
2: been looking at them. So yeah. I'll look for some Euro versions. And you can get them, mm-hmm. seamless,
0: recommended. And I'm going down that smart home skills on the Alexa store now. That's
1: basically my shopping
0: list. Yeah. Because if, it, if it's natively plumbed into Alexa with that degree of elegance. Sold. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: Ray Blanford? I'm tempted by the Arlo cameras having heard Mm. you and um, talk so positively about them. But likewise, actually, I'm looking for smart things integration or echo integration because those are my two control points. That's what I want on my shopping list. I would love to have something um, in the realm of sort of sleep sensors to be a bit more intelligent about when it turned on and off lights, because at the moment it's set automatically based on alarms and timing. But anything where I can sort of take away having to make a decision about things, great. So, you know, bring on Amazon Dash replenishment and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I am um, definitely the cameras, Alexa, will enable us to get perhaps some those light switches because there is a UK brand Lightwave RF that does have sort of plug and replace, you know, whereas many of those don't. And to be honest, the other thing I'm going to do, and we'll talk about this in a future episode, mesh Wi-Fi. Now everything's wireless around the house, scattered around yeah, the house. Yeah, definitely, uh, just beginning to see the limitations of our Wi-Fi network. So we can't get Eero in the UK. So looking at the Netgear, um, I think it's Irby or Orby uh, solution uh, there as well, which is, comes well recommended uh, to try and uh, address that. And because uh, uh, when we've done smart home, I might have to do smart garden. And then I might have to get the Wi-Fi out into the drive. So, the, so, so the smart things garden. in the car. Smart garden. I, yeah. I found my first smart hose system the other day mm. in the shops. Automatic irrigation. plant watering and the irrigation. Yeah. Now my wife has pointed out that it hasn't stopped raining since I've seen it, so I'm not allowed to buy it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I definitely. think she's got a good point. Well, I just have to do some more work on it, but that's uh, that's all on the shopping list. Okay, as ever, thanks very much for listening. We're going to wrap up there. If uh, you've got any recommendations for stuff we should be doing on Smart Home, please do write in. The very, very genesis of this idea way, way back when we did the Smart Home Challenge was uh other people's, you know, sort of uh, attempts to do smart Christmas and we, we love that and we wanted to to try it for ourselves. So please do write in, let us know. You can find us at 361podcast.com. There's a form there if you want to email us. We're at 361 Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook as well. thank you very much for listening. Thank you to everyone who's supported the production of this show, Digitis LBI for providing the venue, markaudiowrangler.co dot uk for editing this episode. And to you, McLeod and Rafe Blanford for being my hosts. Oh, ah, uh-huh. and my friends. Right back no, at you. Just peers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll be back
1: next week, and we'll see you then. Bye bye.